This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said there's a second disaster. The fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. This must be like thunder or lightning that burns up the sheep. The oxen and donkey was his workforce. The sheep and his servants are his belongings. And the servants... Uh, and they consumed them and I alone escaped to tell you the third thing verse 17 says while he was yet speaking there came another and said the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you the camels were the Mack trucks of the day he was a businessman who, who sent produce or sent you know milk from donkeys or whatever it was that he was growing that was his main means of transport, transporting what he was producing what he was selling as a businessman his workforce destroyed, stolen. His belongings destroyed and stolen. And his business destroyed and stolen. And it gets worse. Satan's going to come after his legacy. Verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters, they were eating and drinking wine in the older brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And the house collapsed. It fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Can I dig past the Sunday morning production and get a little real with you? What is collapsing on you this morning? What has been collapsing on you these past few years? What has been collapsing on you for 42 chapters of your life, for the 12 weeks of your life? What's collapsing on you? What is falling on you? What's a weight that's hitting you? I want you to remind your soul even right now that Satan has no authority Jesus is still in charge. Jesus is still in control. He is still large and in charge. And no one can take that away from him. And when you come under his care, under his wings, he will protect you. He will guide you. As I look at my family, as I look at my own life, as I look at the needs for the world, I see a lot of things collapsing on me. And I want you to know that I'm standing here in front of you, not because I'm a strong guy, not because I have it all together, it's because I recognize that he is in charge. He has the authority. I do not know what the future is for my children. I do not know what the future is for the church or for you individually, of my family that's in India, of my friends that are in America who do not know Jesus. I do not know. But one thing I do know, that God is still in authority. Hallelujah. Number two, please write this down. Even when God cannot be found, he's still teaching you about himself. Even when God cannot be found or it seems like God cannot be found it doesn't mean that God's given up on you it doesn't mean that God says you know this guy's an idiot as a leader I do that sometimes many times, often I'm like time to move on man find a different, different person right? And, and, and that's my humanness and God always convicts me of the same truth and says hey listen, listen, listen I created you with potential I created you with potential and you might be going through a hard time but it doesn't mean that I consider you as an idiot or good for nothing or useless. Even in the dark times of your life, I am still teaching you. I am still walking with you. I am still showing you things. Before I jump into unpacking this, this point, I want you to open your heart and open your spirit because some of you sitting over here, you've heard a lot of lies from the people that you trusted. It could be your ex. It could be even your children that have grown up now. Or it could be your boss. It could be when you retired, you felt like, my time here on this earth is done. I cannot fit into this world anymore. And you might be going through a sorrowful time. You might be like a bird that's lost its chirpiness and its song. 
But I want you to know the God who created you, who's an authority, kept you here on this earth because he still wants to infuse you with the knowledge of who he is. And he's doing it with, for you right now. He's doing it even right now. As we go through this few verses, he's doing it to you right now. You need to realize that God is teaching you things about himself, about how he's the light of the world in the darkness of your lives. It's a pity when we assign God's goodness and power in direct proportion to our material possession or health. When things are good, we think God is good. When our health is good, we think God is good. When our, when our, when our finances are depleted, we think God is horrible. We think that, again, I know I keep saying this, we, we treat God like a divine vending machine, and the reason why I keep saying this is because it's true. And you might deny it, but look at the children that we've raised. They leave the church because they think that God is a mean guy. Where did they learn that from? Because we think that God, you know, when he's good to us, he's a good God. When he's bad to us, I'm going to go somewhere else and find someone else who will tell me how awesome I am. But you need to know that God is so mighty that even in your misunderstanding of who God is, he's still teaching you valuable lessons, even in pressing times of your lives. Job was a righteous man. He was an upright man. And his suffering was not from his sin. But God walks him through it to show him and everyone who reads about him for the next thousands of years the glory and greatness of God. Job might have been the greatest man in the East, but God had to show Job that the God that he worshipped was the greatest. When you're walking, I've said this before, when you're walking through the darkness of your life, if you're walking through a dark time, man, don't look for the light in the end of the tunnel. Look up for the glow in the dark fingerprints of God. Because even in the darkness of your life, he's still teaching you. He's still walking with you. In the whole book of Job, God is going to teach him about his goodness and he's going to confront his friends about their religious pride. And just because Job was going through a hard time, it doesn't mean that God was not teaching him. And just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean that God has stopped being your teacher. In the book of John, we were reading this with our kids this week. It's very interesting. Jesus is walking down the road and the disciples, they ask Jesus about a blind man who was born blind. And they say, why was he born blind? Was it his father's sin or his sin? Let me read this for you. John chapter 9 verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus answered, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. You might be walking through a hard time. You might have been walking through a lifelong struggle. And I want you to know that even in your struggle, God is still using you for his glory. God can still use your, your, your failures for his glory. God can still use your stumbling for his glory. God is always teaching you about his glory. If only we would stop looking for the light in the end of the tunnel, and look up, God, where's your glow-in-the-dark fingerprints? Because I know you're with me. I'm, I'm going to keep looking. Even when I don't see it, I'm going to keep looking. Like the people on the road to Emmaus. We spoke about it last week. They had no idea that God was incognito. But he was right there with them, teaching him things. And God is teaching you things as you walk through the suffering, as you walk through the hardships. But look at Job's cry. Uh, jump down to chapter 23 in the book of Job. It's kind of crazy. Pick up from verse 16. He says, God has made me sick at heart. I love it that he's actually saying, I'm not sick at heart, but God has made me sick at heart. The Almighty has terrified me. Darkness is all around me. Thick, impenetrable darkness is everywhere. Look at a few verses above that in verse 13. He says, but once he has made his decision, this is about God. Once God has made his decision, who can change his mind? Whatever he wants to do, he does. So he will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. Track with me. Look to the beginning of this chapter. 
Look at his frustration. Then Job spoke again. This is verse 1 of chapter 23. My complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud. Oh Job, groan aloud. It's okay. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my argument. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, 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 no. He would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him. So I would be forever acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We see Job in sorrow, wondering what's happening. Why? I can't seem to find him. But I love it that in this chapter, Job recognizes that once God has made up his mind, no one can change it. And what he wants to do, he does. And he says, so he will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. He controls my destiny. If you're tracking with me, please pay attention. God's an authority, yes. Because he's an authority, no matter what you're walking through, it is him who still controls your destiny. And God did not create you to fail. God did not create you to be a failure. God did not create you for you to give up in your depression and kill yourself. God created you with a destiny in mind. And if you are only believing your history of who you were before you were born again, you are going to lose it, man. So let go of your history and hold on to your destiny because God is still large and in charge. And even when you're going through hard times, he's the one who controls your destiny. He will make a way when there seems to be no way. I was praying for an old, 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 old friend of mine, a brother of mine. And I was praying for breakthrough, man. And it's amazing how God just came through almost immediately. Almost immediately. I miss those days when I would just sit down and be like, I see this problem. We're going to pray through it until God answers. And boom. It's like, it's like, it's like the early church. The chains are falling away. People are set free. I'm telling you this morning, I do not know who needs to hear this. As we were driving over here, my wife said, God is going to reach people. Maybe it's one person and maybe it's you this morning. You are living in the, the, the knowledge of your history. But I want you to know that God who called you, who created you, has a destiny for you. Someone's got to be excited, man. You know, I wish we were church that felt comfortable to get on your feet and say, that's me right here. That's me. I know that God has a destiny for me. I'll tell you right now. God has a destiny for me. And, and opposition will come. People will turn against me. You know, governments will change and, you know, countries will change and rules and laws will change. But I know that God is still an authority and he has a destiny for me and he's a destiny for you. And I hope that in eternity I will see you and I'll be able to wholly high five you and say, wasn't it great the destiny that God had for us? Man, we failed, but he picked, picked us up because he has a destiny. I'm telling you, man, you're going to go through. We, we celebrated the victory from last year and how much God's brought you through. And maybe you will go through another 12 weeks of falling in the dirt under the cold water, hit by the hot air. But God has a destiny. Don't let anybody take that away from you. Don't let anybody steal that from you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You might be going through a suffering. You might be going through a hard time. But no one, not even Satan, can take with the destiny that God has for you. I don't know what you've been believing, man. Last week I asked you this. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of my God. 
If I look at my childhood, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If I look at my education, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But I believe that my God is alive. He's strong. He's well. And he's a man of war. And he will fight my battles for me. So do none go with me. I will walk in the destiny that God has for me. Because he goes before me and he prepares a way for me. Oh God, build your church, Lord. Build your children. Number three, and we'll bring this to a close. Even when God cannot be found, do not hide your worship. Because... It's good to know that Satan has no authority. Praise the Lord. Amen. Great. It's good to know that even when you're going through hard times, God is still teaching you. Thank you, Jesus. But how are you going to practically apply this now when you leave these doors? How is this going to be good yeast that influences the lump? How is this going to change your life right now? And I believe it will because this word of God is alive. It's active. It never comes back void. We're going to leave these doors as warriors, man. We're going to leave not frightened by the enemy. You have no authority. What the heck are you doing? Out of here in the name of Jesus, leave. You know? And you're going to walk in authority. But how are we going to practically apply this? And this is how we're going to practically apply this. When God cannot be found, make sure your worship is not hiding too. You cannot worship incognito. You cannot do that. Worship is giving worth to God. It's going to be tempting for you to ascribe worth to temporary pleasantness that alleviates your pain, your medication, your doctor, your vaccine, your job, your pastor, your preacher, your book, your music, your denomination, your country, whatever it is, don't you dare, even for a second, choose to give worth to anything else but to the God that has authority over you. Worship is beautiful because even when you feel weak, and even when you feel weary, even if you have to be on your knees, in fact, that's the best posture for you to worship, on your knees, you fall to your knees, you fall to your face, but when you stand up after you worshiped, you're a different person. You're a different person. You might go back into the same world with the same problems, but your eyes, that comes from a heavenly perspective. It seems like God cannot be found, but here's a lesson that we learned from Job. Verse 20, chapter one. Then Job arose, he stood up. That's why I like it when we stand. It's movement. It's I got to get up, I got to go worship. I got to get up, I got to move. I told you worship is a journey. And he tore his robe. That's sorrow. Worship, you cannot worship devoid of emotions. That's not worship. Worship in spirit and in truth, Jesus says. Worship with your intellect and with your emotions. Worship with your emotions it's flattery. It's empty flattery. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. And he fell to the ground. And the man worshipped. Shakak. He prostrated himself before the Lord. That's all the time we have for today. But we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app. Available in your app store. 